as we go into the Christmas season, I thought maybe we'll do sort of a Christmas look at the Gospels. And um, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I started reading the Bible and the, the whole journey of faith for me, I... I mean, I hate to admit it, I guess no one, you don't know until you don't know, but I didn't know there were four of them, right? So I just thought the Bible was like this just book that you read, and it all had this seamless flow to it. And so I'm reading one of the Gospels, and then I go to the next one, and I start to say to myself, gosh, did I lose my place? I feel like I've read this before, you know? And I had no idea that this, there were four accounts of the life I just didn't know. And um, later on in life... Um, I started to realize that they were they were different. They were the same, but that they were different. And um, I remember I would I, I got the Bible and I was reading very nervously um, when my grandpa was uh, sick and he had cancer, and um, I was out in Arizona and at his bedside, and you know a lot of the family was there, and I was this young like brand new, you know, Christian reading the Christmas story. And uh, I, I picked the wrong one. And I mean, I, this is my grandpa's, you know, this is very sad, but I started to get nervous because I was waiting for like uh, the shepherd and the angels and I was in the wrong one. And I started to get nervous because I'm reading it and it's, the, it's a very like, you know, serious situation and I could feel myself getting hot because I'm like, this isn't the right one. There's no, right? And, and there's no peace on earth, goodwill to men because I was reading Matthew instead of Luke. And uh, as time has gone on, I become uh, frustrated and fascinated with the Gospels. Frustrated because... To be honest with you, it's like, I think I mentioned this last Advent, like a year ago. How do you fit all these characters in the story around the manger? My grandma has a manger scene, right? And if you try to fit the shepherd and the wise men and the camels, and the, they, like, they don't all really fit, you know? So I would just put the wise men kind of far off looking on their way, um, except one of them was kneeling, so it kind of became a problem. We, he was taking a water break, you know? And I couldn't... I couldn't mentally put them all together. And so, stay with me. So, then I started to learn and appreciate the Gospels in a different way. That each of them told the story of Jesus, but told it from a different angle, and told a different perspective, and told us something very special uh, for our life that we could take home that the people who originally read these Gospels could take away. And so partly what I'm going to do in this series is I'm going to mix a little Sunday school in. Are you with me? Who, who grew up in a church where they had like Sunday school? You did? All right, you love it at Orchard Grove because we don't have it, right? You just get to skip an hour, right? Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to smash a little Sunday school in. You're going to learn a little bit as we go along. How many are game? All right? So... Um, before we get to um, the Gospels, one of the things that y- you understand right away is that there's one of the Gospels that doesn't have a Christmas story at all. Who knows what that Gospel is? Gospel of 
Mark, two of you went to Sunday school. Actually, you all raised your hand and you lied, right? Mark, has, there is no Christmas story at all. It doesn't exist. It's just Mark starts and Jesus is um, an adult. He sees no need to tell us any Christmas story, which is a little strange if you think about it because to us today, I mean, that's a big story. That's like, the, it's the biggest holiday of the year. It's big in our minds. It's become gargantuan in our culture. And Mark just has no need to tell you anything at all about the birth of Jesus. Sometimes silence says something. Doesn't it? My, uh, we were telling stories the other day. My grandma, my aunt, when my grandma came to church a few weeks back, and so we all went out to lunch afterwards, and we were telling stories, and we were telling stories about my grandpa. My grandpa had this um, absolute chill attitude to life, right? And if some of you are a little high-strung and wish you could chill out, I mean, if you could just take a slice of my grandpa and weave it into your DNA, right? My grandpa was just chill, and we were laughing about all the things he just you just couldn't rattle him he was just a he was just a go to work you know get it done if it takes a hundred times repeating in the same task didn't matter he was gonna he was gonna go about it uh, dutifully uh, he was in, when he was in the navy he was actually um, he uh, he he did uh, he sewed right so he could he had this thing and he it turned it into all kinds of work for him later where he could do upholstery and all kinds of things and i mean just what a tedious that but that was just him it didn't bother him just stay at the task so my aunt says yeah one time uh when i first got my license we were driving in the car together and um I, she's like i was with dad my grandpa and and she goes, I, I came in, it was a little bit wet and a little bit uh, snowy, a little bit slick out. And I was b- behind this truck. And she goes, I just rammed right into this truck. And th- I, I hit it so hard that the truck came right up onto the hood of the car, right? And just crinkled the, the hood of the car. And then, the tr- but it was, it, was, it was like, could you imagine harrowing, seeing a truck coming up to your windshield? And then she goes, but it didn't hit the, and then it just pulled away. And we just drove home. And she goes, the only thing that Grandpa said was, Jiminy. (laughs) That was it. I go, but like when you got home, did they talk about, like, be careful? She goes, no, that's all he said. The whole day, the whole day, that's all he said. Jiminy. We almost got decapitated by a semi, right? That was it. He just, he had this way of, uh, of silence, right? Of just not saying. She said, however, and then my grandma said next to her, she had a few words to say when I got home, right? <laughs> Why doesn't Mark say anything? Now, the thing, just think about this. Put yourself back in time. If you lived in 69, you know, the song, the summer of 69, right? So you lived in the summer of 69, like no 1969, just 69, and the Gospel of Mark comes out. Where does it come out? On Amazon? No, it just comes out in one little synagogue somewhere, and a group of people get the story. 
Now, you couldn't cross-reference it with other Gospels because they didn't exist yet, because Mark wrote first. So all you have is a story. And Mark writes about this amazing, amazing person, Jesus of Nazareth, and there is no story of his birth. First question, can you live without Christmas? The answer has to be for a few people, what? Absolutely, you can. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I won't look. They didn't have it. People didn't have that story. It just didn't exist. So, what do you mean? They They just didn't have it. Perhaps there's something in the silence that would help us just sort of jumpstart the series. And let me just say it's this. Maybe the most important thing about Jesus was what he taught and how he lived, not how he was born. A whole bunch of people never even got those other stories. How he lived and what he taught. Guess what the theme of Mark's gospel is? Well, there's a lot of little themes in there, but one of the overriding themes is this. Christ came to serve and actually to suffer. And in the story of Mark's gospel, Jesus is uh, this teacher. The word rabbi, teacher, um, is used over and over and over again because they're always referencing to him as a, as a teacher. And I think Jesus taught not just with his words, but he taught with his life. He taught with his actions. And he was always serving others. And we get things like this. He didn't come to be served, but to what? Serve others. The purpose of Christ wasn't so that people would serve him, but that he would serve others. And what he was doing was flipping the script because people strongly believed that leaders and people in positions of power were supposed to be served by others. And Jesus takes this and turns it completely upside down and says, no, it's not the purpose for, for me to everyone to serve me, but for me to serve others. And he lays for us an example, something that the rest of us could look to. There's more. Who also here has a very ordinary birth story? In other words, my birth story is so unordinary, I don't really know much about it. Do you? Now, some of you have a great one, a dramatic one, and you know you were close to death and something, and it's, you know, it's and that's great too. But most of us have just a very ordinary birth story. My ordinary birth story is, and and hello, Atlanta, because I was born in Georgia. I know most of you. I, I grew up in Flint, but I was born in Georgia, a, a, a really special town, Cordial, Georgia. There it is for you. I lived there a couple of months, I think. I don't know. I don't remember it much, right? I've seen a couple of pictures. That's it. Crisp County Hospital, Cordial, Georgia. Very non-eventful. When you think about your life, 
Is it your birth that makes you special? Or, think about it, is it what you do with your life that makes you special? Or is it what you decide that your life's going to be about that sets you apart? In other words, I think one of the takeaways for me from Mark's no Christmas story gospel is there is something for those of us who don't have anything special about our birth or our heritage or our lineage. The other, Luke and Matthew, both have these long lineages and they tell the the history of the family and how they got there and um, I don't know anything about mine about two generations back. Anybody? Like some of you have done the DNA and you've done all the work and all that and you're looking for, yeah, my great, 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 great aunt was, you know, related to, and then you found out, oh, Genghis Khan or somebody, you know, like. Uh, maybe, look, look, this is important because for a lot of people, you just feel like, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't have a real pedigree. I don't have this big family lineage. I don't, I don't think there's any really big story about my birth. But that doesn't mean there isn't something unbelievably special about you and what your life can be if, if you follow his lead. My purpose is not to be served, but to serve. Now let's just talk about this one little idea for a minute. Truth be told, on the surface level, we all like a little service. Come on, relax. We all like, I mean, come on, you, you, don't, you don't like first class? You've never been. You don't like first class on an airplane? You've never been. We all like it. You don't like, hey, Mr. Kramer, can I bring you some, uh, can I bring you some uh, little footies and uh, a foot massage during, for this long flight to, you know, Bora Bora? All of that has never happened, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, please, let me serve you. No, you're like, thank you very much. I mean, we like a little service. We, we appreciate it. It does something for us. We enjoy it. It's human nature. And we, we sort of make that, it, if, if we aren't careful, that's sort of an unstated goal in our life. Like, I want to get to the place in my life where I'm always able for people to serve me. We rack up frequent flyer miles. Use this card. Get myself more in debt. So eight years from now, I'll get one free ticket somewhere, right? And we, we, the, we, but the goal is I want to get to a place where people are serving me. But there is something, and you've tasted it, you've experienced it, where when you just get up and do that serving thing, not because you have to, not because anyone forced you to, but something just inside you. And sometimes they're noticed serving things, and sometimes there's these completely unnoticed things that people do. Small, simple acts. Doing dishes for someone. There's nothing big about that. But when you put your heart into it, and you say, you know what, I want to do this. I, wanna, I just want to serve somebody else. Something, look, this is important. Something happens inside you. Something comes alive inside you. These things, I think in the Gospels, like what Jesus modeled and taught, are not just things that he wants to hang over your head so you can always feel like you aren't ever measuring up. I think they're concepts, they're ideas that if we could learn to embrace them, they make us into the best 
human possible. The focus in Mark's gospel is not Jesus as divine, but it's Jesus as human. And it shows him how to be fully human. It's the, it's the idea of the Son of Man. Over and over and over again. Have you read this in, in Mark's gospel? He's the Son of Man. What is he talking about there? It's, it's as if Mark is saying, this is the prototypical human being. If you're going to do it, do it like this. Now contrast that with some of the... Um, Prototypes that are purported to you and I today on TV, on Facebook, and magazines. This is how you really live. Usually it has bling involved, right? Usually it has a lot of money, it has a lot of fame involved, usually it has all these things. And then contrast, there's Christ. Now, yeah, I, want to, I want you to think about this. Was he fulfilled? I'm not asking you all these other theological questions about was he this or was he that. I'm just going to ask you this. Do you think, do you think in your heart and in your mind that Jesus was fulfilled? I don't think it matters. He's just there. Some of you think he's like a robot. He's just supposed to do all these things because he's supposed to do all these things. But ask yourself another question. Was he fulfilled? In other words, if you take on this life, if you model your life after that life, would you also be fulfilled? I want to tell you, I think you would be. I think there's something so deeply gratifying where at this level, yes, we kind of all want to be served. But there's another level to you. There's another level to you. It's this level. And at this level, you know you were born to serve. You know you were born to give. You know that deep down inside you, that that's sort of what you are, is you're there to serve others, to find needs and to fill them, to find a, a local charity and to meet their need, to find some person and to assess what their needs are and then something inside you actually comes alive and i think more than ever you do become fulfilled you know why i think a lot of people aren't actually fulfilled because i think they've bought the other prototype the one that's given to us today that says if you just had this neighborhood if you just had this amount of money if you just right had these looks if you just had these abs Oh, if you had these abs, think of how happy you would be. So we get a little chuckle. They don't put that stuff on TV because it doesn't work. Those guys are too smart to waste that much money advertising that stuff if it doesn't work, if it doesn't sucker us. So we laugh. Because we don't know what else to do. Because we're fighting a tension, all of us, between making the prototype magazine man and Jesus the Christ. And in our minds, we go back and forth. And there are times we say, I think this is the way. 
And then there are times the best of you, we go, no, I think this is the way. And this isn't about, can I just say this? This isn't about how mad or happy God is with you. This is just put all that stuff, old school thinking, old school church, God being upset with you. Put that all out of your head for a minute, okay? This could be just about what it means to be a fulfilled human being. Years ago, um, I, announced, I announced today our, our, our trip for our, our students who I, I encourage you to get them to go on a serving project. And um, I, I just couldn't speak highly enough about this. But years ago, I used to take students on trips like this. And not just internationally, but all over. We, we'd go to Chicago. Hello, Chicago. Um, we'd go to Chicago, and we'd work in a project there. And I still remember what I would do before this trip is I would get all the kids. And we did a lot of fun things. We'd go to Cedar Point. You know what I mean? We always, every year we went to Cedar Point, took busloads of kids to Cedar Point. Busloads! Cedar Point. It was always the worst trip. The fun, no, the, why? Why was the, you know, it, it was, I'm not, I'm just, it was the word, why? Because kids got there and all they could think about was what? Me, because in my head, my expectation is, this is about me. I'm going to sit by that hot chick, right? I'm going to hold her hand on the Ferris wheel, right? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You know, you know, eight minutes into the trip, the, the hot chick's already sitting by some other guy. You know what I mean? He's mad. No, are you with me? And then they have visions of who, what ride we're going to go on together. Five minutes into the park, three of the people split, and they don't want you in their group, right? All I did, all I did was hand out Kleenex and give spankings you know, on the Cedar Point trip. This is true. It was a damage control, damage control. Because it, be, why? Because the mindset, think, the mindset is this is what I'm going to get. And we do this other trip. We'd go to Chicago. I'd sit all the kids down. I still remember the little, like the atrium, like the church. Sit them all down. Parents, you too. I want you to hear what I'm going to tell your kids, right? Um, and I, this is what I would say. I don't care if you have, this is like old school coaching, right? I don't care if you have an ounce of fun on this trip. I don't care. Look me in the eye. I don't care. If you enjoy any of this trip, this is not for you. Some of you need to get your stuff and go home right now. I would get into my coaching mode, right? Just get your stuff and go. This isn't for you. If you think it's for you, just pack your stuff. And the parents were like, true story. This is as true as it can be. And we'd go. We'd, we'd, we'd work in the projects. There were no fun activities planned. This was just, and, and uh, you'd sleep on the floor. Uh, in a sleeping bag. God's honest truth. I hear these kids, floor down, laughing, singing, making up songs, terrible conditions, nothing but work. I told them, I said, if I see you standing around, I'm going to tell you to get a broom and sweep the alley. I actually said that. Some of you would never send your kids with me. I get that. I said, this is to work. This is to give. What, what happens? Well, what happens is when you don't make me and my agenda and my fun 
and my thing. Fulfillment just kind of comes around and bites you in the backside. I don't know if that quote will make it on our Facebook thing, but anyway, it's a good thought in a different way. But fulfillment is not, it's not something that you chase down and get. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not something you put out there, and if you just chase hard enough, and work, then you get it. You, you find, but it's like you, you just forget about You forget about trying to achieve it. There's too many books on how to be fulfilled. There's too much stuff. And it, it, it's just put that out of your head and just say, you know what? I'm going to change my prototype from Facebook man to the son of man, as Mark presented him. And as you pursue the son of man, who didn't come to be served, but to serve. Fulfillment, it just kind of finds you. Maybe what I'm saying is the best thing is not to continue for the rest of your life to pursue fulfillment, but to let fulfillment find you. You know that roll of package of toilet paper that came from San Diego last week? They're watching right now, guaranteed. And it's somebody who found this very principle to be true. Who was a part of Orchard Grove, and I took him on a trip to go serve when Hurricane Katrina hit. It got in his blood, he can't stop. Just sent me a message last week, Thanksgiving break from San Diego, flew to Houston to help with the hurricane relief efforts that are going on there. Why? Because he feels obligated? Because he knows God's going to be mad if he just spends Thanksgiving with his family? No. Because he found fulfillment. And so would you. Not just in big things. By the way, Here's the kicker. I'll, I'll give you the kicker before the, the, the event even happens. If you take your kid on one of these trips, it's easy, easier for us to serve um, the big dramatic things. Sort of like you go to a third world country and you see the poverty and all of a sudden you get it. It just hits you. You wake up to it. Wow. It's not hard for you to empty your wallet, or empty your suitcase, give everything that you see. I've just seen it happen time and time and time again. Then you get back home, and the serving's a little more mundane. Like, who's going to empty the dishwasher? Well, that's not that cool. So I tell the kids, I said, you know, I'm glad that this trip has changed your life, affected you. They'll tell stories. We have a little, a kind of a story time where they all tell their story about how it affected them. And I said, do you think you could translate any of this to your little brother? I get the blank stares like, I don't, I don't, think, that possi- I don't think that's possible. I don't think that translates, right? This is really important. Because... When we, really, when we really find it, when it comes all the way home, by the way, I think these are great examples because they get us started. These, these things, they get us started. They awaken us to something bigger. But it's only the starting blocks. 
When this, when this life starts to get us and we get it, we can find, actually find joy in doing dishes. Chris, I don't, I don't think that's a true statement. I think you just lied to us right there. I think you just got to hang in there a little longer. You actually can. And let me say this. When, when serving becomes your thing, as it was Christ's thing, fulfillment's going to find you in a way that you never, ever dreamed possible. So let me say one more thing as we close today. Christmas can be like a Cedar Point trip for high school kids. What do I mean? Expectations through the roof. It's going to be like this, right? We always tease my mom. This is my mom. She is a romantic to the core. I mean, if you've ever seen her house, you'll get it. It's fabulous, right? Southern living fabulous, right? Every light, every, co- every color is perfect. It's, and, and what she, and you know, we have this, the family, pic, you know, the, the grandkids, they all wear white shirts and khaki pants. And it's, yeah, it's very Ralph Lauren-ish, you know what I mean? And, um, but what do we all know? We all know that that's fake. It's a photo. That's not how it went. Kids are yelling, kids are shirts untucked. Harrison, Harrison didn't even want to wear a shirt to our wedding, right? Like, it's like, why? Why do I have to wear a shirt, you know? Uh, is this your family too? Okay, so re- there's reality. And here's why I'm saying this. It's so important. Because as we go into Christmas season, this is about expectations. If you're expecting it's going to be this, and so-and-so is going to get there on time. They don't get, the people never get there on time. Are you with me? You know, you got the thing sitting there in the oven, sitting there and waiting, and it's burning, and you're getting madder by the minute. Anybody with me? This is all to celebrate God, right? It's like, so here's what we want to do, right? We are not going to enter the Christmas season as a teenager would enter, Right? A Cedar Point trip with the expectations through the roof only to be disappointed. But rather say, I'm just going to look for one simple way, small way, to serve somebody who's stressed out. When you put the expectations here, you are always the stress creator. When you put the expectations here, you, you are always the stress creator. You're creating it for yourself. You're creating it for other people. When you come in with the expectation here, whatever we have is good. Whatever it tastes like will be great. Whoever shows up will be wonderful. Whoever we talk to, right? All of a sudden, fulfillment will grab you from behind. Maybe the best celebration of Christmas ever was when you you expect nothing. Like the blank slate of Mark's gospel. There's nothing there. Everything else is surprise and delight.